Welcome to the Heart of the Father podcast. We're glad you're here and able to listen in. We're praying the Lord will speak to your heart through this message and that you be transformed more and more into the image of Christ. How's everyone doing today? Let me just say right up front and off the bat, you're going to hear some things today that are unusual, out of the norm, but that's okay. Say, that's okay. okay. There's so many new people that are here. Yeah, just lean those right there. That... uh, that are new, and some of you don't know my testimony, don't know my background, so I thought I would share some of it, not all of it today, but some of it um, with you. While I'm speaking, I want the Holy Spirit to move on each one of us, myself included, and those watching over the internet, I believe that God wants to do something not only here in the room, but even over the internet. And so I'm always aware and of them out there, so to say. Sometimes we get in here and we just think that it's about us, and it is about us. About us receiving and us changing into Christ's image. But it's also those that are afar off, Bible says, far off. So let me just share with you quickly. I was born in 1965, so you can do the math, and I'm 57. Um, my mom and dad were pastoring in Dover, Delaware. My mom is Canadian. My dad is American. My mom was called to the mission field at the age of seven. My dad was 14, again in different countries. My dad went to Canada to go to Bible school and that's where my mom and dad met. And they married and came down to Dover, Delaware where they pastored a church. I was a year and nine months when we went to Africa the first time. We went by ship, not a cruise ship, a freight liner. And the ship was called Titania. (laughs) And we spent 21 days on the water And uh, I do not remember, because I was a year and nine months, but the seas were very rough, and um, we finally made it after 21 days, and then we had a 650-mile trip drive to the northern part of Ghana. When we got there, my father became introduced to an old man pastor, It's going to be on the screen. His name is Pastor Bay Winnie. And this man was involved in evangelism and healing, deliverance from demons, and even raising the dead. I was watching the other day some video that I have of him where I interviewed him and he told me things about my dad that I didn't even know how they would minister together. This man was a man of great faith. Um, He was actually next in line to be a chief. And when he got saved, that all ended. Even the Juju priests plotted to kill him, and they could not kill him. Tried several times to end his life. But dad and him would go, and they would preach in villages and... They would plant churches. Now keep in mind in this area of the world, 
There was idol worship, there was fetishes or gods, and there was Islam. And um, when they would, it was not uncommon for them when they would preach and give an altar call where the women would raise their hand and say, I need to go and ask my husband if I can give my heart to Jesus. And so we would sing some songs while they ran off to ask their husband. And sometime they would come back with permission. Sometimes they would come back without permission. I told you, you're going to hear some unusual things today. But this is how we did it. This is, this is what we did. This is what we were up against. I remember the story of Pastor Bay Winnie and my dad who had one day about 20 people that wanted to be baptized. They'd given their hearts to the Lord and wanted to take the next step and be baptized in water. And so they decided on the day and they went to the lake and Pastor Bay Winnie went out into the lake to find a good place to stand and be able to baptize these church members found a place, motioned for my dad to come out. They sang. They called them out one by one, and they would give their testimony, and then they would baptize them, and then the next one would come out. And this went on about halfway through, and then the object, the stone that they were standing on, started moving away slowly. And Pastor Baywini knew what it was. Dad did not know what it was. And um, so Pastor Bay Winnie just started shouting praise to God, you know, and, and uh, they almost fell off of this stone. And um, it wasn't until later, they continued baptizing in a different location. It wasn't until later when Pastor Bay Winnie told them that it was a crocodile that they were standing on. And uh, it was one of their gods, one of their gods that they worshiped. Let me read something from my dad's book. Pastor Bay Winnie and I discussed the possibility of opening churches beyond the river. So we decided to drive to Sapelaga. Everyone say Sapelaga. A larger village to speak to the chief about holding a crusade in his village. The chief welcomed us and we talked with him about holding a crusade in his village, and he seemed interested. We took the time to witness to him, telling him that Jesus could make a big difference in his life and in the lives of his people. The further we went in our witness, we saw him becoming reluctant to give us approval for the crusade. We realized that it was because he was of his deep involvement in fetish worship he had encouraged his people to participate, so he was concerned now about encouraging them to change. And we believed that God was able. The chief finally gave his approval for the crusade and to make plans to come back for it. The chief told us about his people and how they were suffering with hunger because of food was scarce at the time of this year. It was the lean season, the time between the last harvest and the planting of the new crop. We have two seasons out there, rainy season and dry season. During the lean season, when food was not plenteous, adults eat only one meal a day and children and the elderly eat twice a day. That'd be interesting if we did that here in America. It was a very difficult time for everyone as they waited for the rain so they could plant again. Then he took us to see his rain god, made by hands from a tree limb. It was planted in the ground outside the chief's palace. The limb was forked and separated about halfway up and the two branches were tied together at the top. At the base of the rain god, was a mud altar where village people would come and make blood sacrifices. You could see the streaks 
of blood from the animals already sacrificed with chicken feathers stuck in the blood on the altar. His people came every day to offer sacrifice, asking their God to send the rain, but he acknowledged that it wasn't working. We sat on the stones beside his rain guard, God, and told him about our God, who was the real rain God. He created the world and everything in it around us, and he controls not only the wind, but the rain. We encouraged him to leave his fetishes and sacrifices that were not working and believe in the true and living God. We told him what pleases God the most is when we repent and respect him, believe in his son Jesus. Then when you and your people pray and ask forgiveness for your sins and ask him to send the rain, then he will answer and send the rain. He looked at us and said, then you pray and let's see if it rains. What a challenge. Pastor Bay Winnie immediately let out in a prayer asking God to forgive the chief and his people of their sins and to give them understanding to accept Jesus as their Savior. He continued to pray, asking God to prove himself by satisfying the earth with rain so they would have food and be able to testify of God's provision and then fully serve him. We said goodbye to the chief and drove out of the village. I sensed that God was going to show his power to this pagan chief and his people. When I got home, this is my dad writing, I told Marianne, that's my mom and the kids, that's me, about our encounter with the chief and the challenge that was put before us. We prayed at dinner table that evening that God would send the rain and prove himself to be more powerful than the rain God that the chief and his people had put together with their own hands. That evening after dinner, we went out to sit on the front porch to cool off after a hot, dusty day. As we sat, we saw a very small cloud way off in the distance. As evening wore on, as evening wore on, the cloud, the little cloud, begin to get bigger and closer. Then we saw the, cl the cloud light up with lightning as it came even closer, and the wind began to blow. We could actually smell rain. We quickly set out all of our empty steel barrels, which, by the way, we used to take everything to Africa, our food, our clothes, for four years. You think about it. Toilet paper, going to Walmart and buying toilet paper for four years. Clothes for your kids to grow up for four years. So these are steel barrels. We set them all out to catch water off of the roof because we needed water. Our two wells in our yard were dry and we were carrying water every day from a dam. Then the bottom fell out of the sky, and the rain came down in torrents. It was truly a God thing, a miracle to prove God's power and his care for the people of Sepelaga. We went out in the yard and stood in the rain, thanking God for proving himself as the living God who can do anything. This was the first rain that we had seen since we arrived seven months earlier. We set out 12 barrels around the house and collected 12 barrels of water that night. I woke up early the next morning and was anxious to go and see the reaction that the heavy rain had on Pastor Bay Winnie and the chief. I drove through small rivers of water that crossed the road on my way. Pastor Bay Winnie was ready and to go to Sepelaga when I arrived at his house. As we drove further, he kept saying, we praise God, we praise God. 
As I drove into Sepelaga, I saw the chief sitting outside his palace. He greeted, I greeted him and sat with him as he described what had happened the previous night. He explained it as though we had not seen it or even known anything about it. Then he said, At dawn this morning I heard the women passing my house on their way to their farms. He looked at me and said, You know, your God is a wonderful God. You said that you would pray and your God would send the rain. And he repeating repeated those words, your God is a wonderful God. He was amazed at the power of God, sending the rain and gave him credit. We returned a short time later to talk about holding the crusade. The spiritual soil of Sepelaga had been prepared for an awakening of God's power and a church was birthed in that village. My mom and dad would teach in the public schools about the Bible every week. And then it was a short time later when they moved to a different part of the country to teach in a Bible school where they taught for 24 years, training young men and women for the ministry. Me personally, growing up in Africa, it was interesting to say the least. Homeschool did not work for me. <laughs> Works for some people, but I needed to be in a group of kids where the teacher says, okay, everybody get out your math books, and everybody gets out their math books. It didn't work for me sitting out under a tree, and I've got my pet monkey running and, you know, distractions. So in second grade, <clears throat> I went to boarding school in Nigeria, two countries away. I got to come home twice that year. Boarding school is like college, for those of you that are Southeastern students. It's dorm life, it's cafeteria, it's campus life, all of that. And then I went and transferred to another school in Ivory Coast. This school was run by the Conservative Baptist. Love Baptist, very strict, very strict. Lots of rules, bells ran our life. Music would play in the morning to wake us up and then the bells would start. One bell to go get your shower, another bell to make your bed, another bell to have devotions, another bell to go to the cafeteria, another bell to go into the cafeteria. Another bell, you better be done with your food because you got to get back to your dorm. Another bell to walk to class. Another bell to get in class. This went on all day long. Very strict. Had to work 18 hours each semester to help pay for our bill. We had to make our beds, sweep our rooms, fold our clothes. I don't make the bed today. I've met my quota. My wife loves a made bed and she makes the bed. The Baptists had different doctrine than me. I was raised Pentecostal. They felt that speaking in tongues was of the devil. So in senior Bible class, they taught cults and we were listed among the cults. But I love Baptist people. Listen to me. I know them. I love them. I've had many a discussion with them. But traveling to and from school each semester, it was a two-day trip. Sometimes I would go on a plane. You say in second grade? Yeah. Yeah, second grade. On a plane. Sometimes it was on a train. My first train. My friends told me, oh yeah, we should go on a train this time. Oh, we've been on it many times. They talked me into it. 
It was a 22-hour ride. And when we got to the train station, the train was packed. You know, you know where they connect the two cars together? And there's a plate. We stood on that plate for 22 hours. Clank, clang, clank, clang, clank, clang, clank, clank. I about killed those guys. There was a toilet on the train with a pipe that emptied out on the tracks. I got my driver's license when I was 15 years of age. I have it here for proof for all of you doubting Thomases that don't believe it. My dad always told me, one day you'll grow up and you'll be able to drive for me. It was two weeks after... I got my license that dad got very, very sick, and it came to pass. With the Bible school, there was a food shortage during that time, and so I got to go while he was in bed and meet with government officials and present the Bible school and get their signatures and whole sheet of signatures, and then you got to go to the warehouse and load this up and anyway I remember one time my mom and I were she had come up to meet me coming back from boarding school and but my dad wasn't with her and we had no vehicle to get back 230 miles seven hour drive and she said to me she said I don't I don't know what we're gonna do and I said well we're gonna sit on and the guest house porch and we're gonna just pray and believe God and it was a few hours later and someone said, an African came with a car and said, um, we have this car that needs to go down to the city 12 miles from our village and we don't have any way to get it down there. Will you take it? And we took it. We took it. I... When I got my license, I became the ambulance driver for the village. Uh, my claim to fame is I've had one lady deliver in the back seat of my car before I got her to the hospital. Just, just one. Just one. Before the age of 18, I, was, I went through six military coups, military takeovers. And those days were very difficult. Soldiers would get drunk on alcohol so they would go out and do terrible things to people and they didn't want to remember what they did. I've had manettes stuck in my face. I know of pastors that were persecuted for no reason whatsoever. Put in a coffin and hammered shut as torture. Let me tell you just a little bit about my walk with God. It's interesting where I am in this time of the year. September 28, 1968, I got saved. Baptized in water in September of 78. That's 44 years ago. Baptized in the Holy Spirit 40 years ago. So I've been saved for 54. Water baptized for 44 Baptized in the Holy Spirit for 40. I was always raised around ministry. Always in church. Always in church. Even if it meant being out in Africa under a tree. Sitting on a wood bench having church. I can remember as a little kid we'd hold church services. And the little kids would of course press in around. And they would pinch us as kids. And it would hurt. And we'd cry and mom would be like, what are you crying about? He, he pinched me. And then we realized that the Africans were pinching our skin to see if there was black skin underneath there. They didn't mean anything bad by it. They'd never seen white people. White people. Had stones thrown at us when we've gone into a village to hold a service. I've seen people delivered of demons as a young boy. Totally free by the power of God. 
I've seen miracles happen. But as a teenager, I always wondered what God wanted to do with me and with my life. Yeah, I could be a missionary. A new culture, a new language, a new customs. But I wasn't called like my mom and dad. And I had to break through that because well-meaning people, family members included, will come up to us, me, and say, hey, when are you going to be a missionary? I don't know. I don't know. I would spend hours out in the bush with my motorcycle. I did have five motorcycles, dirt bikes growing up in Africa, and that is incredible. But I would spend time in the, out in the bush just talking to God, developing my relationship with him. I've walked with God through a lot of stuff. I don't say that because of me. I say that because of him. And you can have that same type of relationship if you want it with him. Came back to America, graduated high school, went to Southeastern, Met my amazing wife. Jules had three kids. Started a business and ran it for 28 years with no education, no help except God's. Always helped in church. Ran services. I was an international crusade director for 10 years. Came to Hot FM in 2011. That's my testimony. I still do missions work, and I want to show you some of these pictures. I'm getting ready to go back to Africa here in a month or so. Let me just tell you what this, show you so you have an idea. Oh, by the way, this is me when I was little. So I go out to Africa as I will go in November and I'll hold crusades. Now I've done crusades in large stadiums and all that, but this is the crusades that I do. A few light bulbs, stand out in the village and preach the gospel to people who've never heard, not one time. No church. They don't know anything about Jesus. Nothing. So we go out and we go for two nights in one village. Here's the altar call. People that come and give their hearts to Jesus, then they start we start a church in two days. After the altar call, we pray for healing. And then we invite them to come up and give their testimony to what God did. And they speak into the microphone and they tell people that know them, know their sickness. I don't know their sickness. And they testify to God's healing power. Then we move to the next village. We'll hold another one. Just like it. Here's two old women that gave their hearts to the Lord in that second night. Hard to see, but they've got tribal marks when they're babies. They're cut on their cheeks, uh, certain patterns that identify their tribe that they're from. So I'm going to go. Oh, I brought this one. This is Pastor John and his girls. You, those of you that know Pastor John, these are his girls from last year. They, all, everyone in the green is graduate, graduated last year, and we get sewing machines for them and all of that. This year when I go, I'm going to go overseas like normal, but we're going to go to a different tribe, totally different, never heard the gospel. I'm going to go do it, plan to do it just like that, unless God says to do it different, it probably look just like that. We're going to preach, open churches, get two Bible school graduates. They're going to be the pastors. 
pay for them for one year to have a hut in their village, in those villages, grow the churches, go to the school, tell the headmaster I need a room for these guys to meet in. He gives them a room to have church on Sunday. Go to the chief. I need you to give him land in the future. We shake on it. It's a done deal. Chief will give him land in the future. As he, the church develops, then they'll raise their funds and build their church. The tribe that I'll go to this time is called the Bulsi tribe. Bulsi tribe. And um, like Barry said in Revelation, people from every tribe, every tongue, every nation need to know about the slain blood of Jesus Christ. There's a whole group out here in this area that have never heard, and I don't think it's right. I just don't think it's right. I think somebody needs to go and somebody needs to tell them. That's what I believe. And I'm going to ask you this morning to help me go. Not me. I'm going to ask that you give in an offering so that a cruise, two crusades can take place. You're not giving money to me. Is that clear? It's not for me. It's for the advancement of the gospel. I'm going to ask you to help me go. So I'm going to ask the ushers come quickly and we'll take the offering and then we're going to move on. Pray and ask the Holy Spirit what he wants you to do. I don't know what he wants you to do. Text to give is up there. Um, I believe you can put world missions. Text to give world missions and it will go into the account for that. And I want to thank you in advance for helping spread the gospel. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your people. Your generous people. And I'm asking that you would just speak to their hearts to what to do. It takes money to do this. I'm willing to go. Take the time to go. Be there and return. But I pray that you would speak to the hearts of your people to participate, to be a part of this trip. And I know that as they're obedient to you, every need will get met. We pray these things in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Go ahead. Let me just speak to you just for a few more moments. As I said, I've walked with God for a lot of years, a long time. I'm nobody special. Nobody, well, I am probably unusual, you would say, but uh, nobody special. I just decided a long time ago to let God do whatever he wanted to with my life. In order for that to happen, it's going to require and has required me surrender of everything. This is one of the struggles that each one of us, you and I, have, and that is surrendering to God everything. A couple Sundays ago, Brandon called up people who wanted a fresh touch of the Holy Spirit on their life. And that's exactly where you and I need to be, is we need the Holy Spirit to touch us again, not only personally, but as a church, we need to ask him daily and throughout the day to come and touch our lives and change us. It is our promise, as Brandon said. The Holy Spirit is our promise. We're Pentecostal. We're not ashamed of the Holy Spirit. Say, well, um, I'm Pentecostal, but I've never been in a service like you guys have here. I feel something different. That's okay. That's okay. We love the Holy Spirit. And we love for him to move. Joel put it this way. After this, I'll pour out my spirit on all kinds of people. That encompasses everyone, right? All kinds of people. Your sons, that's some of you. 
Your daughters, that's the other half of us, will prophesy. Your old men, that's not me, will dream dreams. And your young men will see visions. I don't know if I see visions. Sometimes, maybe, probably. I'm expecting to grow up one day and have visions. Okay. And in those days, I will pour out even on the servants. Those without money, those that are poor, those that don't have influence. Both men and women. I don't know what all this discussion about all these genders are today in our society. Men and women. That's what the Bible says. I'll just leave it there. But it will require hunger and thirst in order for that to happen. Our hunger for him has to be stronger than the things of this world. I know that sounds a little, you know, love not the world. I thought we don't love anything in the world. Well, it's all relative. We have to want him more than we want our desires, more than we want our goals, more than we want our success or our recognition or our name or our reputation, or what people think. We have to want him more than that. Matthew chapter 6 puts it this way. Don't worry or say, what will we eat, or what will we drink, or what will we wear? That's what the people of this world look at. That's what concerns them. Don't worry because your father in heaven knows what you have need of. Here it is in verse 33. What you should want the most is God's kingdom and doing what he wants you to do. Then all of these other things will come to you. We have to come to the place where we want him more than anything. I know that's sobering. What about my husband? What about my wife? Yeah, more. When you love him more, first, then he'll give you the love for your spouse. What about my little kids? Yeah, yeah. That's why when we gather together, our meetings must be ordained of God. I know we don't hear that very often. Our gatherings must have a purpose. We say it, Barry says it a lot, to give God what he wants. That's that's what we gather for. And so I just wanted to jot down a few things about our meetings that we must have. And I know I'm going to say some stuff. I'm going to use some terms that you may not like initially, but let me define it for you and you might come on board. Of course, our meetings have to have the word of God preached. Of course. There's no sense in meeting without the word of God. Even in your homes, as we gather on Wednesday nights, word of God. Number one, we need encounter. We need encounter. Job 42, 5. I had heard of you only with my ears, but now my spiritual eyes see you. An encounter. It's not just a spiritual experience, but it is a spiritual experience that creates conviction inside of you and me. Encounter. We've got to encounter God. Mick Hughes said this word this morning. We've got to come into oneness with God. Say, well, I don't understand all that. I don't either, but it's a passion of mine to become one 
with God, to live by our convictions. It's not just a theory that we've heard about, but it's a reality for ourselves in our own lives. You and I have got to have that reality of Jesus Christ in our lives. We've got to have the reality of the Holy Spirit directing us in our lives. We must encounter God when we gather. Number two, our gatherings must have transformation. Let me define it. Change. Change for me. Change for you. Nobody's exempt. Well, I've walked with God a long time. No, you need to change. You need to change. 2 Corinthians 3, 17 and 18. The Spirit, the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit is, there is freedom. We all want to quote that. Let me keep going. And our faces are not covered. We all show the Lord's glory. And we are being changed to be like him. This change in us brings more and more of his glory. Which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit of God. Romans 12, so I beg you, brothers and sisters, okay, saved people. He's talking to saved people. That's you and me that have, quote, walked with God and walking with God. Because of the great mercy that God has shown us, offer your lives as a living sacrifice to him, an offering that is only for God and pleasing to him. Considering what he has done, it is only right that you should worship him in this way. Don't change yourselves to be like people of the world, but let God change you inside with a new way of thinking, and then you'll be able to know what is good and pleasing and what is perfect. Change. When the word of God is given or when it's communicated, it'll be backed up by the Holy Spirit. He comes to correct our perceptions. He comes to change our mindsets. We all need our minds changed. Nobody in the room and watching over the internet has arrived. Nobody. Nobody. Paul prayed this way in Colossians that the church would have two types of knowledge. That God will make you completely sure of what he wants, which is his will, by bringing you all wisdom and spiritual understanding that you need. This is what we need. We need spiritual understanding to understand the mysteries of God, the ways of God, his plan, his will. Hosea 4, my people are destroyed for the lack of knowledge. We all know that. Knowledge of my law where I reveal my will because they've rejected the knowledge of me. Sometimes that's not intentional. Sometimes it's ignorance. Because they don't have hunger or thirst. They don't desire him. I'm talking about me. You put your own shoe on this morning. I put mine on. It causes a lack of knowledge in applying God's word to our everyday life. There are many believers who think God's only active in, in our lives here on Sunday morning. Oh, no. Every day of the week, every hour of the day or night, God needs to be in our life. That's why when we gather like we're doing today, we must have a feast of knowledge of God. We must have the light of God, some translations put it. Arise from your spiritual depression. 
to a new life and shine. Be radiant with the glory of God and the brilliance of the Lord. For your light has come and the glory and the brilliance of the Lord has risen upon you. It's available to you. It's his desire to give it to you. I've been in revival meetings for years. I know we call it revival meetings, conferences. I'm all for that. I'm all for that. But many, here's what I've found. I've been changed by it. My wife and I, we have been radically changed by revival services. But here's what I see. Many people run from one meeting to the next and they never change. I know people that have been in revival services for years and you'd never know it. They walk out of the meeting and she beats him up in the parking lot. No, I'm just teasing, never mind. But you'll find them in, in the years to come still the same. Didn't change anything. Their spiritual walk hasn't increased. Their prayer life hasn't increased. Their hunger and their passion for God hasn't increased at all. At all. So in our gatherings, we got to have encounters with God. Transformation that actually changes our life. And number three, we must allow the Holy Spirit to move and have expression in any way that he wants to. Any way, no restrictions. Well, God, you can move in the first 20 minutes and then we're going to do... No, any way. Anyway. And it's not just signs and wonders. It includes signs and wonders and miracles. But the Holy Spirit does far more. John 2, we're all familiar. The wedding at Cana. It wasn't just about turning water into wine. Nobody got saved. Nobody got healed. Nobody got delivered. Oh, well, I just want just miracles. No, you're limiting the Holy Spirit. John 2.11, by this he showed his divine greatness and his followers believed in him. Can I tell you, your miracle is not just about you. It is for you, but it's for others to see, to witness, and to believe in God. Not the miracles of your hands, so to say. Oh, well, he just has that miracle anointing. No, wait, hold on, hold on. God is the healer. I believe in the supernatural. I want the supernatural. And I've experienced the supernatural. But it is for me and for others to be a witness and to actually believe in God. Number four, our gatherings must have impartation. I know. We've got some crazy definitions out there of impartation. Some people don't like this word. Just hold on. I'm not talking about receiving someone's mantle. Let's set that straight right out the gate. We're not going to run to a service and have somebody lay hands on us so we get their mantle. You get your own mantle. Wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. Oh, if I could just have so-and-so's mantle. You don't know what they went through to get that mantle. You don't need somebody else's, uh, you don't need somebody else's mantle. You need your own mantle. That's given by God. So that you'll do what he's told you to do. 
Romans 1. Paul said, I long to see you so that I may share with you some spiritual gifts with a purpose to strengthen and establish you. Paul wanted to share with them the revelation that he had gained with the purpose that they would be encouraged in their walk with God and established, which means rooted in God and become mature because the days that they lived in, the days that we live in, we need to be rooted and grounded in Christ to run at 100% for God and be effective. Impartation is okay and it's good and it happens here through the preaching of God's word. We're encouraged, okay? We share in the gift. Barry and Brandon preach and teach and we benefit, do we not? Yeah, we do. But we're not after their mantle. We praise God for the gift that God gives them and we receive of that. So I'm not talking about getting something, only something from one man to another. I'm talking about receiving from God himself. You and I have to take what we hear and what we read in Scripture. And then we have to have God actually impart that to us, reveal that to us. How many of you have ever read Scripture and it really didn't mean a lot to you, have significant, like blow you away or whatever? And that's okay. But then... Months later, you read the same thing and it's like, the light bulb comes on and the Holy Spirit's telling you and and you're like, oh, wow, I got to write this down and you're writing this fast. Has it happened? Yeah. Impartation from him. You say, well, I'm saved and I've had that experience. No, there's more. There's more than just your salvation. We praise God for your salvation. I praise God for my salvation, but there's more to it. There's more to him. Acts 1.8, but the Holy Spirit will come upon you and give you power to be a witness. He's going to come upon you. He's going to impart to you boldness. We must be empowered by the Holy Spirit. Not just to be a good preacher or a good evangelist or a good business owner or a good politician. Those are individual assignments for particular locations. I'm talking about being a witness everywhere you go. Everywhere. We've got to be bold in our walk with God everywhere we go. Well, in church I'm shouting, but on Monday I'm quiet. No. I'm not talking about being obnoxious. I'm not even talking about necessarily preaching. Just a casual conversation of what God's done in your life is an encouragement to someone who doesn't have hope. I'm talking about being a witness with no boundaries and no limitations. If you saw it happen or you had it happen to you, then you're qualified to be a witness. Witness to see or to hear or to know by personal presence or perception. When you and I receive impartation From the Holy Spirit, we will be a witness. We will. So our gatherings, we must have personal encounters with God. 
transformation that changes our life. Allow the Holy Spirit to move in any way he wants to. Impartation from the Holy Spirit that makes us be a witness everywhere we go. And the last one, our gatherings must have unity. Bible calls it brotherly unity, brotherly love. Psalms 133, oh, how good and wonderful, how pleasing it is when God's people dwell together in unity. We all know that. When God's people come together as one, that's what Mick talked about. We call it covenant community. Well, I've never heard that before. Where do you find covenant community in the Bible? Unity. Brotherly love. Well, I didn't know we had to do it. I thought we'd just say it. No, we do it. There are things that we can only receive when we come to corporate gatherings. That's why this COVID isolation was total nonsense. Total nonsense, separating us. There are some people who have not even returned to church. I'm glad y'all came today. No, the devil wants to separate and isolate. You've heard me say that the lion in Africa goes after the weakest one and he chases and separates them from the herd. Isolation. Well, private prayer, it's good. But corporate prayer is good also. We need private, our private devotions. But we need to also get together and pray. That's why we're doing Wednesday nights, in case you're wondering or you're not involved. I would encourage you to get involved. Eating by yourself is good, but eating together brings a different dynamic. Something about sitting around the table and eating together just brings a different dimension. God wants us to experience different dimensions of God when we gather together. Ephesians puts it this way. And his gifts to the church were varied, and he himself appointed some apostles, some prophets, we all know this passage, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers, to fully equip and perfect the saints for the work of service and to build up the body of Christ, which is his church. Here comes the unity. Until we all reach Oneness, I know some of you don't believe that this is in Scripture. I'm reading the unity part that's in Scripture. Until we all reach oneness in faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God to become a mature believer reaching to the measure of the fullness of Christ. Our, here's the unity again, our spiritual gifts in unity, so that we, here we go again, are no longer children tossed back and forth and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the cunning and trickery of men, by the deceitful schemes of people ready to do anything for a personal profit. Yes, there are people out there that are crooked who call themselves Christians who preach the word of God. But we've got to be mature. We've got to be a mature people. But speaking the truth in love, let all, both our, there's the unity again, our speech and our lives express his truth. Let the head us, 
grow up in all things into him who is the head Christ. From him the whole body, there's that unity again, joined and knitted firmly together, there's another unity word, by what every joint supplies when each part, that's yours and mine, work together, are working properly. Cause the body to grow and to mature and to build itself up in love. Unity. There's no selfishness in that. No selfishness. In fact, the only guy that was selfish was the one that was teaching incorrect doctrine. Trying to pull people away. We're not to do that. We're to be in unity. Where every joint supplies... We come together to encourage one another and pray for one another. Well, I'll just sit at home and pray. No, come and pray for someone else besides yourself. Where each of us have a gift to share, and that doesn't mean dominate. We don't come in here, and we don't have one person stand up and exercise their gift and we all sit and watch. And so at the end of the meeting, they dominated. No, we're gonna work together and be in unity, each of us having gifts, using them to mature believers. That's what we're to do. So if he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, and some teachers, then what did he give everybody else? Well, I just, I just want to be an apostle. That's the only thing. No, it's not. He gave some to be apostles. Not everyone. Well, if I can just be a prophet. What about everybody else? I'm not an apostle. At least I don't think I am. What about me? What about you? He wants to use each one of us in his kingdom. Everyone has a gift. Everyone's gifts vary. Do you know if we didn't have Joseph at Arimathea... You know, the guy with the tomb that Jesus was put in? We wouldn't have the tomb to put Jesus in if it wasn't for Joseph. If Jonah didn't go to Nineveh, who would go to Nineveh? He has to go. He must go. Say, well, the fish is going to swallow him. He must go. Joseph needed to be sold into slavery to save a nation from famine. Oh, well, I don't know about being sold into slavery. How else would he have gotten to Egypt? If your gift is to make money, then make money and use it for the kingdom of God. Well, I thought money was bad. No, money's not bad. It's how we use it. If you're an Esther, pay attention to your influence because your assignment might be in the palace. Well, I just, I can't persuade anybody of anything. That might not be your gift then. But if it is, you better work at it real hard for God. If you're a Daniel, make sure that you develop your spirit of excellence for God. He was excellent at what he did. If, hello, if you're a teacher in school, then use your influence to change the next generation. I could go on and on and on with examples. Let me read this in Galatians. Brothers and sisters, that's you and I who are saved, someone in your group, 
might do something wrong. You, who are following the Spirit, should go to that one who is sinning. Help make that person right and do it in a gentle way. Be careful because you might be tempted to sin also. No, you don't struggle with the temptation that I struggle with. You don't have a clue what you're talking about. People are tempted of all kinds of sins. You and me. It's a choice that we have to make to overcome those temptations. But he says, be careful because you might be tempted to sin too. Help each other with your troubles. When you do this, you are obeying the law of Christ. If you think that you're too important to do this, you're only fooling yourself. Don't compare yourself with others. Just look at your own work that God's called you to do. That you must each accept responsibility that are yours. So many things happen when we come together in unity. Accountability happens. We restore one another. When we gather together, we help one another. We bear one another's burdens, praying for one another. We make sure that we walk in humility. We accept our responsibilities. We own it. We don't blame shift. Have you ever met somebody who always wants to blame shift? They did something wrong, but Adam did something wrong, but it's Eve. My wife and I, we joke about that. I call her Eve, and she calls me Adam. <laughs> yeah, but you did this. Yeah, but you're Adam. Blame shift. We have to take responsibilities for our actions, our own. Your gift is just an import, as important as the apostle, prophet, evangelist, teacher of the word. Why? Because God gave it to you. That's why. Gifts vary. You've got to be serious with the gift that God's given you. Say, well, I don't know what it is. Pray about it. Exercise yourself. Try different things. See what develops inside of you. We hope this message has been a blessing to you. If you'd like to join us on a Sunday morning or other weekly gathering, know that you're more than welcome. And if you'd like other resources on or about this ministry, or for any deeper questions you may have, be sure to visit our website at hotfmlakeland.com.